Hey, sweetheart. Before we started on the podcast, I um, wanted to give you your Christmas gift. Oh, great timing. I have your gift ready, too. Now, the gift I got you was really hard to find, but here it is. Oh, my gosh. A special Batman bookshelf for my Grant Morrison run of Batman? Wow. Oh, um, oh, no. What? You don't? You don't like it. No, no, no. I love it. But I, I, um, I sold my Grant Morrison run of Batman. You what? Well, I had to afford your gift. Oh my goodness. A glass case for my wasp memorabilia. Oh, well. Oh no. I sold my wasp memorabilia to afford the Batman bookshelf. Oh. Yeah. This seems weirdly literarily timely. I appreciate your gift, sweetheart. I love yours, too. I suppose at this holiday time, we can really just be happy that we're here with the ones we love, enjoying time together. Absolutely. There's nothing I would rather do than be here with you and the kids. Oh, well, uh, would you maybe rather talk about comics? Oh, (laughs) um, yes. I'm Christina Edelman. And I'm Chris Edelman. And this is Chris's on Infinite Earths. The podcast where nothing will ever be the same. Welcome, readers, to our fourth episode of Spider-Verse coverage. This is our second episode of Spider-Verse proper. Mm-hmm. But we're not quite all the way done yet. We're we're kind of smack dab in the in the kind of middle to back half. Mm-hmm. We're gonna cover Amazing Spider-Man number twelve and number thirteen, and briefly touch on some of the tie-ins that happen around the same time. Well, readers, we find this episode particularly timely because as we record it, I believe the movie Into the Spider Verse is coming out. Like I think tomorrow. Oh yeah, so. Readers, by the time you're hearing this, you've probably seen Spider-Verse. Yeah, you probably don't have uh, don't have a couple of kids and uh, sitter and having to find a sitter. So you're probably doing great. I mean, you're probably going to have already seen it with one of our kiddos. That's probably true. Mm-hmm. Three years old. That's old enough to experience Spider-Man. I think so. I I'm wondering if uh, certain other Spider-Men could have been in this movie. I was talking about it with some friends of mine, and we were wondering. If Scarlet Spider maybe could have been in it, but he might have been too strange. But Spider-Man 2099, I feel like, would have been a shoe-in. I don't know how you can say any Spider-Man would have been too strange when they've got Spider-Ham. That's a fair point. You know, Spider-Man being a cartoon pig is kind of weird. I mean, I guess it's more comedic than it is weird, maybe. Well, I mean, they do have John Mulaney, the comedian, playing him. (laughs) (laughs) Well, anyway, do we want to get into our summary? Yeah, let's talk summary. Amazing Spider-Man number 12, written by Dan Slott, penciled by Giuseppe Camincoli, inked by Cam Smith, colored by Justin Ponser, lettered by Chris Eliopoulos, edited by Nick Lowe, Devin Lewis, and Ellie Pyle. If you all remember, the heroes have hit a bit of a snag when it comes to fighting the Inheritors. While Peter and crew went on a brief errand, Solus and his large adult sons, Morlun and Genix, decided to attack Earth-13, which resulted in both the death of our good pal Captain Universe Spider and the capture of sweet baby Benji. The Spider crew try to fight Solus and also prevent Morlun from leaving, but after losing some spiders are very much 0 for 2 on that one. Mayday is of course crushed by this, and Spider UK requests Peter to seriously get his tail back there. Peter shows up with a trio of Japanese Spider-Men, including Takuya Yamashiro. Takuya brings his giant robot, Leopardon, who fights it out with Solus while everyone else escapes. Meanwhile, we see Silk, who has come to Earth-3145, a balmy, nice, radioactive wasteland. The twin inheritors pursuing her can't take the heat and thus leave the kitchen as Silk spins herself a web hazmat suit and looks for someplace safe. 
the main spider crew makes a random jump to a fun dinosaur earth, grabbing Takuya sans robot before shutting the door and having a little group discussion. Peter checks in via teleporter to Jessica Drew, who with a damaged teleporter is posing as a handmade counterpart in Loom World, and she comes upon the captive Master Weaver. Meanwhile, Miles and Cartoon Peter have gathered more spider folk and are joyriding their way through universes to find even more. Spidey 2099 and Lady Spider have begun their dissection of the Demos corpse, but their transmissions are all jammed by Genix. Turns out he's been able to find them all along. Verna and her hounds arrive at Dinosaur Earth to fight the spider folk, while Jessica Drew talks destiny with the Master Weaver. He hands her these neat prophecies about the other, the bride, and the scion. She is nearly caught by Morloon before using her teleporter to covertly send the prophecies to Peter. Cindy Moon phones up, telling the crew to head to her radioactive Earth. They retreat quickly to the hopefully good refuge, only to be pretty bummed out about the nuclear wasteland. Superior Spidey lays pretty hard into Peter, but they follow clues leading to the Sims Tower of this world, which is where Cindy stayed during her long isolation. They open the bunker, only to discover the spider of this world. Uncle Ben? Amazing Spider-Man number 13, written by Dan Slott, Penciled by Giuseppe Camincoli, inked by Cam Smith, colored by Justin Ponzer, lettered by Chris Eliopoulos, and edited by Nick Lowe and Devin Lewis. We start off with the Inheritors collectively apologizing to Papa Solis for their various screw-ups, but he doesn't really care. After all, they have the Scion, little Benji, and according to the Master Weaver, the Bride and the Other are on the way. Back on Radioactive Hellscape World, we hear the sad tale of Uncle Ben, a man who gained spider powers, took lots of great responsibility, and then had all of his family killed by bad guys. When Ezekiel warned him about Morloon, he had no problems going into the bunker, where he was not present to stop Otto Octavius from accidentally nuking the world. Superior Spider-Man is pretty taken aback by another Otto making such a huge mistake, and the Spider Army goes to work trying to decipher the prophecies that Jessica Drew brought. Silk, feeling bad that Jessica is trapped on Loomworld, takes off with Gwen using another teleporter to bring Spider-Woman some help. In the struggle to decipher the scrolls, Superior figures out that Peter is from the future, a fact that he keeps to himself. Anya Corazon manages to decipher the scrolls, which state that the Bride, Other, and Scion must be sacrificed to prevent the creation of more spider totems, which are destined to end the Inheritor's reign in a thousand years. At Genix's clone facility, Kane and Ultimate Jessica mourn the loss of their fellow clone, Ben Riley, and Kane heads to Loom World to seek revenge. The Inheritors immediately pick up on the special totem's arrival on Loom World and decide to go have a snack. The Spider Army gathers together for one final push after sending a group to do a mysterious task outlined in one of the prophecies. Kane, now on Loom World, transforms into a giant spidery monster to fight the Inheritors. He kills Solus shockingly easily, but is brutally felled by Morlin, who plans to use his blood in the ritual. Meanwhile, Verna and the twins attempt to capture Silk, who is on the run with Jessica Drew and Gwen. Finally, Peter attempts to convince Uncle Ben to join them in the final battle, giving the old, with great power comes great responsibility, speech. This doesn't really seem to work, though. This doesn't really seem to work, though, until Superior Spider-Man gives his own speech. Even if you lose over and over again, all you have to do is win one time. Ben is thus convinced by the rousing cry, and the spiders get ready for the final push. So what did you think of these issues? I think they're fine. I think I liked the three before this a little bit more. Maybe a lot a bit more. Yeah, I feel like these two here in the middle are a little bit lack... Like, we have the awesome setup in the beginning. And I feel like these two issues are really just trying to set us up for an exciting ending. They're, they're They're just a lot of setup with not the fun reveals that you get in the intro issues of this, if that makes sense. Yeah. I think that's completely fair. A lot of it is kind of almost logistical in a way. Right. I mean, it's it's set up. That's what it is. Like, kind of explaining. It, it's all leading up to things. Little pieces of the puzzle all working to 
come to this final conclusion. But it's nothing nothing too exciting in and of itself, these yeah. two issues. But there's I mean there's there's enough to like in here. I liked first of all, if we're if we're starting in roughly chronological order, I love how there's at first some random spiders kind of try to pile on Solus. Mm-hmm. And it's like people we haven't seen before. Like there was like a Spider Man who was a lizard. Yeah. And then also one who was a knight. And I'm like, man, these are like so let, let's pretend that Peter Parker is picking an away team. He's like, the away team will be myself, Miles Morales, Spider-Gwen, and Spider-Knight. We know what's happening to Spider-Man. <laughs> is he the red shirt he of the, the group? Yes. The, these are all of the spiders who are not in any group shots. <laughs> they were they were in the back row, kind of, kind of uh, outside of the frame of view. And they are definitely just vampire food. Yeah, yeah. You always say I look good in red, but I you, I almost feel like you just can't you can't red shirt yourself. It's got to be bad luck, right? <laughs> if you wear red, you're gonna get turned into like a mineral and crushed or like vaporized. Or you know, have my life life essence devoured by vampires. You know, things all things to worry about on a daily daily basis. Yeah. <laughs> uh. Um, I do think that it was portrayed really well early on how like absolutely crushed Mayday was when. Moreland just kind of pieces out with baby Benji. Is it? Oh, yeah. Solus hands Benji off to Moreland. I thought Solus had Benji. Uh, no. Yeah, you you might be right. The, the The final shot of the last issue is Moreland holding him up. That's true. I thought. No, he didn't. He doesn't. So they have to leave because it is Moreland with the baby. Because that's when Peter comes in with the Japanese Spider-Man. Oh, yeah, yeah. And then they fight Solus. But. There's a lot of emotion portrayed through a mask in that in in, the, in a particular panel where mm-hmm. she was just like like almost like writhing in agony. I I feel like I didn't even need that panel because I was fully experiencing all of the feels about the inheritors getting Benji. I know he's just a babe, just a babe. I just and some of his art was a little interesting in these two issues. I feel like you know how sometimes babies are drawn as just miniature people. Um, th- you I mean, feel like, like he was a bit of a miniature person. He was like a medieval baby yeah. where they just look like very, very they look like literally like shrunk, shrunk down, down adults. adults. Yep. Uh, yeah. I I think maybe that Olivier Quapel was maybe a little bit better at babies. This is the same artist who drew the Anna Maria Marconi, who we thought maybe just looked like a little kid. Yeah. Not to say that is it, that his work isn't good in a lot of other spots. I think his I think when he draws spider suits, definitely good. Yeah, yeah. Maybe get some good spider suits. Mm-hmm. Speaking of those Japanese spiders coming in, I as that was happening, I was like, wait, did I miss one of the tie-in issues? Nope. Nope. <laughs> totally not covered. I feel like it would have been really cool. Now, Christy, do you know where the one with the robot comes from? No, I mean like the, what, this is our second spider with a robot. What's our first spider with a robot? Oh, SPDR. Mm-hmm. This Spider-Man is from a show in, like, I think the 70s in Japan that was Spider-Man, but it was basically, like, Spider-Man, but also Power Rangers, and that's why he is a giant robot. Oh, of course. Because how can you fight evil unless you can go into a giant well, robot? It, it was just it was the genre conventions. You had to have a giant robot if you had a suit. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> Yeah, We're on the same page. <laughs> it is a wild show. <laughs> uh, and he just is Spider-Man. All right. I love the, what, the Wild West Spider-Man, like Cowboy Spider-Man comes in. Uh, that's a little later on. That's a different group. It's not the... Yes, the, the, the Cowboy Spider-Man is with Miles' group. Mm-hmm, Miles' group, who, like, they're driving, like, are they driving, like, a Jeep? No, they're driving this the the spider mobile. Oh. Yeah, so they're driving around in the spider mobile, which was a thing Spider Man had for a little bit in the comics, and I believe it could drive along the side of walls and stuff like Spider Man could. That's um, so extra. Dan Slott loves the Spider Mobile. It's going to come up again in in another one of his relaunches. <laughs> Did you notice the Spider Mobile can talk? No. Yes. No. It can. What did it say? It was like putt putt something something about you're not the one really driving here. 
I don't think I real. I think I remember reading that and not really understanding what was going well, on. Well, the one problem is the the arrow seems like it could be coming from the car or maybe from Miles. Oh, I gotta pull up this panel. It now. is definitely from the car though. And I was reading a little bit about this. Apparently, Dan wanted there to be a spider totem who was the car. What? And I I don't know if this if the if the spider mobile this particular spider mobile ever ended up actually being a spider totem. Or if it's just a talking car that they managed to get. <laughs> that also doesn't come up in it, in it, one of the tie-ins. Because you've read all the tie-ins, right? Right. No, yeah, definitely. So you've read the, the tie-in where, where Miles and Cartoon Peter get even older Cartoon Peter. <sighs> and then they just randomly later get the Spider-Mobile. <laughs> and then the, the Wild West Spider. It's It's a lot of fun, all these spiders coming in. Oh my gosh, you are so right. I... I don't think I realized the little, like, call-out panel with the really zoomed in on the car. That's great. Do you also like that the cowboy Spider-Man's horse also has a Spider-Mask? Right. You can't reveal that horse's identity. So, what does cowboy Spider-Man do? He can't swing from buildings. They're all, like, one story tall. Yeah. The Wild West doesn't seem super... I mean, maybe he's got some... (laughs) He's great in canyons. Oh, yeah. Mountain ranges, maybe. Tall trees? Very tall, like forests. (laughs) (laughs) I guess that's why he has the horse. Does the horse have web shooters? I don't see web shooters on that horse. No. It's it's a whole lot of fun, this panel, though. It's tons of cartoon spiders. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. And the spider mobile. Mm Mm-hmm. They're fleeing from a helicopter, which I assume has cops. Yeah. But they also know that it's the Spider-Mobile. Yeah, they're telling him to... Oh, my God. What if they had to liberate the Spider-Mobile and then, like, drive out of someplace? That sounds great. I just imagine them joyriding, like, Steppenwolf's playing. <laughs> and the band's like, I like to dream. Man, we, I feel like we totally missed out on Spider-Totem Spider-Mobile. Yeah, maybe it happens in Spider-Geddon. Ooh. Readers, let us know, because we haven't been reading Spider-Geddon. We are actually incredibly bad at reading <laughs> reading <laughs> crossover events as they're happening. Yeah, I mean, you just gotta wait till it's all out, and you <laughs> pick and choose the best parts, and... Uh, no, yeah, most of the, the current comics that I read are don't s- show up in crossovers, because... They're, like, so far away from crossovers. <laughs> I'm reading so Extermination, as far as X-Men's concerned. That makes me a... I'm a good, I'm a good crossover reader. Look at you. I'm reading one. There's like six going on right now. <laughs> you know what? There's too many. There, I said it. Mm-hmm. I I like our uh, re- reflective, retroactive, our... Retrospective? Ret- That's it. <laughs> That's it. I like our retrospective. This has been Look. Chris's vocabulary corner. See, readers, these are all words that I knew before I birthed two children and gave up sleep. (laughs) Goodness gracious. (laughs) But it was my choice, so I don't complain. I just explain. Um, So how great are those Japanese Spider-Men who immediately are all bros? Oh, yeah. Like, it seems like they all know each other and they're pals, but but they're from different universes. It's pretty great. One of them is is clearly from a manga because he's in black and white. Mm-hmm. And one of them is from the Spider Clan. Okay. Which I think is 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 kind of some like spider ninja thing going on. Okay. And then there's the one from the from the show. That's pretty awesome. I like that Peter decided very specifically to stop off at three Japanese universes all one in a row. You know? I... Well, Jeff. They're probably, the entire universe is probably not Japanese. <laughs> but who knows, maybe. Oh. Some of these issues feels like they were trying to give some screen time or story time to certain characters that it didn't really advance the plot okay. super far. Can you help me out? What do you mean? Okay, so the the bits that we get with Lady Spider... And, and Spider, Spider-Man 2099? Worthless. They're completely useless. <laughs> right. So you think it's going to be pretty cool, especially reading the time. Like, they've got the body that a Superior managed to preserve of 
um, of Deimos. Yes. Mm -hmm. And they're like, okay, we're going to dissect it. We're going to figure out all of its secrets. We're going to do this great stuff. And then Deimos follows them and they manage to trap Deimos. Mm-hmm. In this awesome, like, electric stasis field thing, we've got this whole storyline going on. Like, oh, we're going to find out some really crucial information. Nope. Deimos just offs himself, so he comes back as another clone, and they don't really seem to find out anything too useful. Yeah, it's a real bummer. Except the fact that, yes, in fact, these creatures can really only consume life essences. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm like, oh, Lady Spider was so awesome. I really wanted her to have a more crucial part to play. Yeah. She is she is pretty cool. Not even a spider totem that's brought up in the the tie-ins. Mm-hmm. She's just uh, just a spider aficionado. <laughs> <laughs> and so many of the tie-in issues, just like I feel like full pages of them are just kind of lifted out of them and put into amazing. Yeah, there's definitely there's in the Spider Woman tie-in. There's there's just like. Right. It's like the same. There's just extra poop humor in the Spider Woman book. <laughs> the, I mean, I would just say, like, when you get to Amazing and you get to the Spider Woman tie-in pages, just skip them and just read the actual issues because they're better than this little short summary that they try and cram in there. Yeah, that's kind of a that's kind of a weird balancing act. And we talked with talked about Dennis with that mm-hmm. about like having to duplicate scenes. Right, having to have what's going on in your story completely sync up with. What's I going usually on in the main prefer tie-ins to just do their own thing. Right, right, and these just keep kind of like dipping in and out. Yeah, this is the first one we've done on the podcast that's that we've encountered this and really had to yeah. deal with it. Like a lot of times, there we get the like see this and see this and see this, but it's not like we're getting one or two pages of recap from those tie-ins. It's like vital it, parts of the story that come back up. Right. Like, yeah. if it's so important to the main storyline, it's got to be in the main story. Right. The tie-ins should just be, like, extra fun flavor. Mm-hmm. I do still want to... You notice I mentioned poop humor. Um, I really want to go back to this poop humor. And how in the tie-in for Spider-Woman, Jessica Drew pretends to have horrible indigestion to avoid dancing with Moreland. <laughs> After he says something like, you are the finest ballroom dancer in a thousand worlds. And, like, we know Jessica. Like, she probably just, like, wolfed down some ribs before this <laughs> anyway. And also does not want to dance. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Those Spider-Woman tie-ins with her trying to, like, fend off these advances are really uncomfortable but also humorous yeah i'm not like thrilled with them but she definitely makes him seem like a like a complete doof in a way that's kind of fun and she also encounters well maybe not in the tie-ins directly adjacent to these issues but she encounters like pirates on loom world that no that does happen uh it happens kind of between these issues right yeah Loom World Pirates. Right? Why would the inheritors let pirates exist? I Maybe they just don't care. I mean, they were it seemed like they were trading with them. They were like dutifully employed pirates? Who do they steal from? <laughs> they're only Whose pirates in flavors. <laughs> they're pirate flavored. We're actually very legitimate businessmen. We just really enjoy tricorner hats. <laughs> Yeah, everything that Jessica Drew does in her tie-in seems incredibly useful. Yes, Yes? and she does get them the prophecies. Mm -hmm. I think she's more useful than what's going on in 2099. But the most useful... Was Scarlet Spiders. Definitely. Definitely worth the read. So you're going to have to do Scarlet Spiders because I read it like four weeks ago. Yeah, that's fair. And I read the Spider-Woman stuff like four weeks ago, too. So having recently read... The Scarlet Spiders tie-in. It, it's pretty awesome because we have Ultimate Jessica Drew, yep. and we have Kane, and we have Ben Riley. And they they're they're all clones, so it's kind of fun that they wind up on Genix's world. Based and I say when I say world, I mean his world because he's mind controlled literally everybody on it. And there are tons of clones everywhere, including tons and tons of clones of the Inheritors. And we we have some stealth going on with. Ultimate Jessica, Kane, and Ben. Uh, they have to take out that world's Tony Stark, take out that world's Johnny Storm, hack into computers, 
they discover this weird, creepy room where Genix has been trying to clone spiders because farming is the true sign of the evolution of a species. So if they could farm their spiders instead of hunting them, they would be even better, according to Genix. So, of course, these clones had to bring down this cloning facility. And, of course, there had to be a sacrifice. Any any great heroic act, self-sacrifice. So Ben Riley, because they're short on time and, you know, just things, had to explode the explosives manually himself to explode the facility. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. And we see kind of the ramifications of that with when in the after issue 13 so going into issue 14 right because up until now the inheritors have been so unbeatable because you kill them they show up a minute later in a new body yeah they just seem so dominant and this one didn't help when they're like we've been we can communicate and genix is like "Uh, uh, uh." right yeah genix was even like listening in on all of their communication because their communication was happening over the great web and he controls the great web (laughs) and so it just felt so hopeless so this is like a huge step because they die now they're dead but it happens away from the main story. So after issue 13, the end is like, oh, my gosh, Uncle Ben, we just discovered him. But we everything feels so hopeless. And then in the next issue, they're all like kneeling in supplication as if there's like been some sort of great loss that they've experienced that mm-hmm. they're apologizing to Solus for. But we don't really see a lot of it because right. it happens in tie ins. So it's an interesting sort of tone shift where you're like those spiders uh they're just having it rough oh i I guess they're not (laughs) right right they've got them they've got the inheritors on their knees so yeah it is kind of because we get a little bit of like the they check in with kane and uh or no they actually check in with ultimate jessica because because they're like oh we have to tell kane that he absolutely can't go to loom world because Kane's like BRB murdering and, all the inheritors. And Jessica's like, sorry, he's already there. <laughs> but we well, we blew up the cloning facility. <laughs> and Ben's dead. Yeah. That brings us a little bit to this plot only works because the characters are kind of dumb at times. They're they're foolish. The the characters are kind of foolish at times. Which characters are you talking about? Specifically Kane. Mm-hmm. who is very ruled by his emotions, so mm-hmm. it's within character. And Silk, yeah, who is just like, she's like 0 for 3. <laughs> but you could argue that it's all part of the Master Weaver's design. So they really had very little actual choice in it. They were all meant to be brought to Loom World if you buy into Master oh Weaver. Oh my gosh, are they sinners in the hands of an angry Master Weaver? Yes. Just threads just dangling over the fire? <laughs> this is... A song or something, isn't it? Oh, no, it's like an old Calvinist essay or something. Oh. Sinners in the Hands of an Angry God. I'm not well-versed in that. Oh, we had to read it in school. Oh. Well, this sounds like it was probably very uh, interesting and important. This was was a great reference, let me tell you. (laughs) (laughs) So does he really say Master Weaver? Who? No. Oh. I'm taking this reference to... It's not a good reference. I'm sorry. I'm taking this, like, way off base. But they do make an analogy in Sinners in the Hands of an Angry God of spiders dangling by their last thread over a fire and the, just someone just ready to snip the threads. It's very fire and brimstone. Okay. But the Master Weaver is not as helpful, so it's actually a really bad analogy. <laughs> yeah, the, yeah, the Master Weaver really wants to help out the spiders because like, he's, he's totally on the spider's side. And he's just been forced by the inheritors to do their bidding. Right. He's but I just enslaved I really shackled. wanted to make that reference. I know it was a reach. It's spiders in the hands of a Well, I'm very so friendly. glad that you made that reference that I don't understand, but maybe some readers will really appreciate it. <laughs> oh good. <laughs> maybe like two people will get it. <laughs> well anyway. <laughs> so yeah, because of everybody's bad choices, they're all gonna go to loom world just where just where it's expected and the inheritors are all ready for a big old murder frenzy yeah mm-hmm. yeah so it's kind of interesting them all charging in here because at this point they they've figured out the prophecy yes they've they've known it for a while right but oh i'm sorry the inheritors have known it for the a her- while. inheritors have known the prophecy but the spiders have they figured out when they charge in a loom world they know the prophecy yes but 
Silk and Kane and Ben, obviously Benji doesn't. Right. He's they a baby. Don't. They don't know. But they know that the prophecy and readers, I don't know if we've talked about the prophecy, but the prophecy is that the spider totems will be the downfall of the inheritors. Yeah, like in a thousand years. In a thousand years. So the spiders going in already know that this prophecy says that they are not going to defeat the inheritors Mm -hmm. because that won't happen for another thousand years. What they know is that if the inheritors succeed here in sacrificing or killing off the other, the bride and the scion, that there will be no more spider totems born. Which is weird because Genix wants to farm spider totems for their food, but they also ultimately don't want any spider totems being made. Yes. So they have to eat spiders to live, but well, if... They have to eat totems to live. To- totems to live. Not necessarily spiders, apparently. Right. They just hate the spiders because the spiders are eventually going to get them. But they also like just like eat spiders like like in platters on their table. So I'm I'm like, what are their alternatives here? Like if they yeah. if they succeeded in killing off the spiders, what is what, what are they going to eat? Yeah, canned tuna, canned tuna totems. <laughs> I am canned tuna man. <laughs> like it seems like a even if they win they lose sort of situation. Do you think they'll start eating tofu totems? You know, just trying to trying to take the. Uh, the meatless option. Tofums? Tofums? <laughs> you've got your tofu man. You've got your alternate universe tofu woman, also known as tofu Gwen. Uh-huh. You've got your tofu UK. That sounds like an awful lot of soy to consume. That could have some serious problems on their hormones. <laughs> so they can't. They got to they gotta stick with spiders. Or some other sort of... I mean, what other... I don't really know about any other sorts of totems. Yeah. This was kind of... The whole totem thing was invented in like a very strange run of Spider-Man. And it just kind of happens to have stuck around. Because once it's in the Marvel Universe, there it is. So it's a weird concept that I don't don't think that has been taken to its end conclusion. We haven't had enough elephant men or jellyfish boys. Or any other sort of animals like we've had we've had some some mer folks some fishy fishy folks yeah I need edge of capy capybara verse please <laughs> <laughs> but that that like that's like the one thing that, like the big glaring issue that bothered me was like their ultimate goal seems counter to the fact that they need to eat right and I don't think we are offered enough of a well they can do without right and they're really they're they're only just hunting because they particularly hate spiders. Like I get, I get why they hate spiders, or why they will hate spiders at some point in the future. But yeah, it's you know, I don't think it's explained well enough, and that's that's fair. That's, that's fair. a big critique of mine. I spent ten or fifteen minutes trying to like research the the Marvel no prize of that fills in that plot hole, but it was it was ultimately like, well, they could eat other things. Huh. That's not satisfactory. No, it's it's a little bit of a bummer. Um, so we didn't really get to get too heavily into this Uncle Ben. What do you think about Uncle Uncle Ben? Sad uh, sack Uncle Ben. So I feel like they were really hard on Uncle Ben. Like totally blaming him for the destruction of his entire world just because he wasn't there to do something to stop Otto Octavius. Like, I don't I don't know. I don't think it's the hero's fault when bad guys do bad things. I don't think having, but it's such a Spider-Man thing. Like, well, yeah, it's you his responsibility. Have to do it. Yeah, with with great power must come, must also must come. also come great responsibility. Did you look up the line? Uh, well, they make a big deal about it. I think maybe it's in one of the tie-in or the team-up. But Uncle uh, Uncle Ben makes a big point out of it's not just with great power comes great responsibility. It's with great power must also come. Yeah, you have to make a choice. It doesn't just happen. Right. I mean, Uncle Ben's got a real sad story. Like, his his nephew Peter was like, hey, just fool around with your powers. Maybe you can wrestle Bonesaw. And he's like, no, I must must stop crimes and make the world a better place. Boom. And then, yeah. Blow up his house. And then he's like, dope. Lost his nephew, lost his wife. Yep. I mean, if I lost you, I don't think I would be like a functioning human being. So... I totally get it. You couldn't fight crime anymore? No. Like, I need, like, some serious therapy and medication, probably. Mm, that's fair. Like, I don't think I would be good to anybody. Do you think you could just hang out in a in a tower bunker? That sounds like nearly all I would want to do, as long as there would be, like, ice cream and Netflix. Can Moreland not get into those bunkers? 
Because he he's apparently can't. Yeah, yeah. The the bunkers are designed to hide them, hide the spider totems from Warland. That's their purpose. You'd think though, if he knew where Sim's tower was, he could just like figure it out, since it's in so many universes, and just like break the door down. <laughs> They're pretty strong. Yeah. Well, I mean, at least this one's in a radioactive wasteland that the the inheritors can't seem to tolerate. It is. Like... They're ultra sensitive to radioactivity. I guess <laughs> because. <laughs> Because. Maybe they're just normal sensitive to it. And like how human beings, radioactivity will kill you fairly quickly. That's true. Well, large doses. We actually get radioactivity all day, every day. Mm. And little doses. Thanks for that. Even in water. Yum. It's it's less of a concern than you think. (laughs) How much much weird canned food did Uncle Ben eat in there? Right? Like, Like, I feel like all we see of the... Bunker is like cinder block walls, or not like cement walls. Like we don't see. There's no bed. There's yeah. no food. Did like, Ezekiel keep like a, a like a sweet stash of DVDs in there? I would, I would hope so. Like Uncle Ben just chilling out with my big fat Greek wedding on repeat. Yikes! <laughs> <laughs> just eating some eating some dried hummus. <laughs> oh, you've been to my family's house too many times. I think I've definitely eaten hummus while my Big Fat Greek wedding was on at your family's house before. <laughs> uh, you know, big Italian family loves movie about big Greek Greek family because yeah, if there was a big a big Italian wedding, your that would be that would be your family's movie. Yeah, well, except the Italian weddings we get in movies are just like from The Godfather, and they don't end well. <laughs> No, no, they sure don't. They somehow always, they always pivot gangster. <laughs> gangster Spider-Man? I, that seems kind of counterintuitive. To... Yeah, the closest thing is probably Noir. Mm-hmm. Man, Noir, he's not, he's not coming back. Like, he's out this whole, the whole rest of this crossover. Oh, it, oh yeah, that's right. That's right. He gets a hit in, um, he gets an in Spider-Woman. Yes. And gets benched. Mm-hmm. Okay, so, Otto... Or uh, Superior Spider-Man. Yes. Has a lot of stuff that he goes through in these two issues. Yeah. And I feel like it's some serious, like, character development. I think it's great. First, like, he has the whole thing where he realizes that his alternate reality version of himself is is the reason that we have a radioactive wasteland. Uh yeah. Yeah. And he's like, how could he, he let this happen? I would never do this. Right. And everybody's right. like, what do you mean you? <laughs> I think it's all internal. But um, And then he realizes that 616 Spidey is not from the previous time, his previous timeline. It's from the future. So he realizes that he loses everything. Yeah. Again, in the future. He just kind of, he's kind of wads that up. And puts it in his back pocket and doesn't bring it up. But it was because he he called up his hologram, which, as you remember, is he made into the form of Anna Maria Marconi. Mm-hmm. And Peter's like, why is your hologram Anna Maria Marconi? And Otto says, why wouldn't it be? <laughs> <laughs> but only Spider-Man from the fu- his future timeline would, would know. Peter, what a goober. Well, I mean, I don't expect anything more than that from Peter Parker. He is our friendly neighborhood Spider-Man, but, like, I, I, I don't think of him as cunning. He's kind of scrappy and tenacious. Yeah. It's, an, it's endearing. People do get the drop on him sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> and apparently Otto does a lot. It is interesting to see really what Otto does with, like, the the body of Spider-Man and the abilities of Spider-Man. Mm-hmm. <sighs> It would have been interesting to see these. I also think that the Olivia Quapel, I know that's going back to previous stuff, just draws him in this very cool way. He's always like in shadow mm-hmm. compared to Peter. Uh, I would have loved to have had him maybe the whole mm-hmm. whole crossover. Yeah, i I just am always kind of drawn to the to the most broken character, <laughs> like because they're just the most interesting. You know that um, Superior Spider-Man is back as Superior Octopus. Oh. He has a Spider-Man-esque costume in the octopus stuff. I think he somehow transferred his brain into a yet another clone of Spider-Man, but it was just like a body clone. So is 
Is he all bad? Is he is he a little bit of mix? I think he's I think he's kind of the same character. Okay. Yeah. It is because I love ambiguously bad bad guys that are sometimes good. This is why you like Doctor Doom. Yeah. Yeah. That's why I like Craven. That's why you like Craven, the hunter. Yeah. That's why I like Emma Frost. You love I like people who can be on both sides of the fence and have a lot of complicated You love your stone cold Steve Austin type characters. Whose side are they on, Christy? <laughs> Give me a couple brews. <laughs> I want to see. So <laughs> Superior Octopus gets in the ring, catches a beer, catches a beer, uh, tentacles catch a beer, <laughs> catch a beer, catch a beer. <laughs> Yay, Steve Austin Superior. <laughs> Superior Steve Austin? Superior Steve Austin, title of this episode. <laughs> It's Otto! It's Otto Octavius! <laughs> oh, that's so good. <laughs> I'm with you, though. He does seem to... What's... So, none of it's going to matter, though, right? Uh, you haven't been... You, you weren't reading the main title before and after this. Mm-hmm. Superior Spider-Man will end up not remembering this. It's... it's this, all of this takes place in, like, one part of an issue for right, him. Right, right. And nothing and when he comes changes. back... He doesn't, like, remember Spider-Verse. Oh, man. So it's interesting how all of this, like, we don't know how it's going to happen, how he's going to forget it all, but he will not, it will end up not meaning anything to him. Otherwise, he would remember meeting Peter, which doesn't come up in Superior Spider-Man. Right? Unless he's just, like, somehow internalized all that. But yeah. Yeah. Okay, Spider-Man is the most internalized comic. It's, like, all self-narration. So (laughs) you know everything they're thinking. Uh, Okay, so Kane. He what turns you... into a giant spider Hulk man. Huge, huge hulking spider. Like, we get all these these hints of he's been holding back, he's been holding back, he's gonna let it all out. And when he lets it all out, he's just like a giant, like, tarantula. Yeah. And he just, like, takes out Solus like no problem. No, and the clones are gone. Yep. So, so Solus, Solus is gone. Yep. Solus with the one, two, three. Kane, Kane takes it. Yeah. Rough stuff. But then Moreland kind of takes out Kane like a punk. I was a little bummed out about the, like, swinginess of that. Like, we did have hints that Kane was awesome. Mm-hmm. Kane mostly beat Deimos the first time with Superior just kind of striking the killing blow. Right. Kane is, like, he has, like, the weird spiky arms and stuff. Mm-hmm. It is heavily hinted that he is, like, he has some super strong spider powers. Right. But more, but after he takes out Solus with like one little hit, oh, one little hit, it's actually really gruesome. He like stabs him with like fifty little spines or whatever. Right. Moreland just like rips his leg off and stabs it through his head. Hmm. I I don't know. Maybe it's the whole thought of he's just going in there all raw emotion and not a lot of tactical stuff going on, or maybe it's that. The emotion after Solus gets killed really powers the inheritors to even be more furious. I don't know. Do you think Kane is specifically supposed to be good at fighting anybody? Or is he like in like is Kane like a spider type Pokemon or something? Or okay, okay. No, let's he's an other type Pokemon. They were strong against inheritor type Pokemons. Oh, could be. Could be. But they don't take Kane all the way out because Kane still has to be, or they still need Kane's no, blood. They just need his he's blood. He's heavily hinted at being dead. And they just take the blood the after blood. stabbing that's him. That's right. That's right. And I'm like, no, they still needed him for the prophecy. But that's right. They just needed the blood. Yeah. So Kane takes out Solus like a punk, then goes out like a punk his own self. You know, it's still just a 1 1 trade there. That's better than it's been so far when they take out an inheritor. <laughs> That's true. There have been at least two or three spiders die anytime they've managed to kill off an inheritor. And that's when they the, the inheritors still came right back. Yeah. Now they're, they're gone, though. So that was a one for so. That's good, at least. I guess. I was, I was a little bummed. I kind of liked Kane. I like his cool costume. I like how mad he is. I like that he is spiny. I liked Ben, and he's gone, too. You know, you just desensitize yourself to the death of spiders in Spider-Verse. <laughs> yeah, we are well v- Spider-Versed just... in the death of spiders. <laughs> in my head the whole time, I'm just hearing the boom, 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 another one bites the dust. See, mine's a little bit more dear sister. It's the, ooh, what you say? 
Yeah, that's it. Mm-hmm. Just, they're going in slow motion. Okay. I know a different version of that song, I guess. You do? That Fru-Fru sings? Yeah, that's the one. Oh, I thought you called, said something else. Dear Dear Sister is uh, is a skit from SNL that heavily uses that song. Oh. I'm sorry. We'll have to watch it after after the podcast is over. I love SNL, so yeah. Yeah, it's from like 10 years ago. <laughs> oh, well, that's why. <laughs> Uh, my media consumption prior to meeting you was like so oddly selective and not consuming any mainstream content. Fair. You, <laughs> you consumed tributary content. <laughs> so ultimately, Ben doesn't want to go with them. And we, we we went through it a little bit in the summary. But how did you feel about Superior Spider-Man being the one to get him to come? Oh, I kind of, so it feels to me like, you know, sometimes when we have a tough parenting moment Mm -hmm. and like one parent's really going at it from their way. And I feel like it's normally me who's like, no, 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 come on, just let let, let me try this. And I go in there with this, this, you know, cocky attitude of like, it's all going to go my way if I just do it, put my own spin on it. And it never really works. But this time it worked for Superior. He was the parent who was like, hold on. Is Uncle Ben a toddler? (laughs) Kind of a little bit here. I don't want to go. Where are we going? <laughs> We're going to Loom World. No. <laughs> uh, that is funny to only us, but that is a <laughs> perfect impersonation of our toddler. Where are we going? Always wants to know where we going, where we're going, and he's memorized directions to everywhere, so he'll tell you if you took a wrong turn. Spider toddler, this way. <laughs> Oh boy! Our yep. child is precious. <laughs> yeah, and we jokes that only we find funny. We are so we. I was wanting to get close to wrapping up, but the last panel of the of issue thirteen, where they're all in a group shot again, they're all hunching, and I don't like it. You don't. Yeah. Do you like the hunch? Did, were they hunching? I thought they just looked like ready. You might be right. It just seemed. It just seemed extra hunchy to me. Oh, well, we'll get into that in the accolades. <laughs> Uh-oh. <laughs> I guess we should maybe get into... Oh, no, beforehand, I wanted to talk about the t- Spider-Verse team-up number three, because it's, like, very plot important. Oh, yeah. So this is where Spider-Punk and a few of the other spiders go to a universe where the Spider-Man is, is Spider-Ma'am. And it's Aunt May. Yes. And Peter's still alive and Uncle Ben's still alive. Mm -hmm. So she is clearly a better Spider-Man than Peter Parker. (laughs) Of course she is. And Karn's going to do his thing of his stabby Lance thing. He's going to take his his Evangelion Lance of Longinus. That's Mm -hmm. what it looks like, I promise. and, And get her. And she's totally like, well, all right, like... I can sense that you're powerful enough that I wouldn't win this fight. And I really care about my nephew and my husband. So you can just take me. That's fine. But then the other spiders show up and are like, hey, we know you're not all bad. And I'm going, I guess there's a little indication of that. <laughs> and like, yeah, we did. They, they found that out from the prophecies, right? It was in one of the scrolls. Yeah, that, that Karn was like the, the exiled inheritor. He's the he's the black sheep, which makes you a good guy. He's the closest thing to an inheritor vegetarian. Yes. A veg inheritor. Mm-hmm. He's not super interested in hunting and eating spiders, but he's got to do it to win back the love of his family. Right. So they're like, come fight on our side. And he's like, I'm still going to get hungry, though. And they're like, you can take a little bit of us as a snack. But not all. But not all. And he's like, yeah, I guess. So he just does a little hocus pocus. He does just, just just the tiniest bit of hocus focusing. <laughs> oh. Just an, an, an amuse bouche <laughs> hocus focusing. Right? Do you think this was earned? The redemption of Karn? Mm, I feel like as readers, we get it. Um, if we read all the tie ins. If you've read everything, yes, you get it. But I feel like. I mean, aside from, I guess, the scroll with the Master Weaver's recommendation that they find Karn, maybe that's a compelling enough reason for the spiders. But I don't know that the spiders have enough reason themselves to trust Karn. Yeah. Plus, like, a lot of them probably haven't met him. Right. So, like, let's go trust um, 
one of the space vampires, but this one has a stick and a hat. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I I I felt like I could have used more lead up cuz you get the little bit in superior where he's like I'm a tortured soul. Mhm. But I want to be good and here's my tragic origin. Then you get the bit in amazing where he's like like can my can my ceaseless torture end and then he's just like I'm gonna be a good boy. I could use a little more, but this is one thing that this crossover just tries to pack just this, 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 this. So I think it just ran out of time. We just didn't have any more time for, for Karn Pathos. Right. Right. There's, yeah, there is an awful lot going on that that's, yeah, that's kind of sad. But, you know, if you want something to perk you up about Spider-Verse and you've got Marvel Unlimited, oh, readers, I discovered a treat for you. They have videos in there with the issues of Spider-Verse and you can watch Nick uh Lowe do the editor. S- the editor yep. do some awesome character acting. <laughs> It'll it's, make up for anything. <laughs> it's something. Uh, I got such a kick out of it. You did you got you got such a kick out of it. And I I think I think I know why. I think it's probably Somewhat similar to stuff you deal with in forensics. Oh, yeah, yeah. With, you know, you have one person that plays every single character in a play and you tell it all in 10 minutes. Yeah. Right up your alley. Mm -hmm. I mean, but it's also just the simple act of, oh, here's the editor of this comic that you're reading being an absolute dork on video for your enjoyment. Turns out comic editors are nerds. Who knew? All right, on that note, do you want to head to Accolade? Sure. All right, what's your best line, Christy? Okay, my best line. I I, I had one all picked out, and then I, I had to change it. Okay. I had to change it for Jessica Drew. So, Jessica Drew is laying into Cindy Moon for destroying two teleporters. Well, she did destroy two teleporters. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And she's like, hey, I'm sorry, but... We did rescue you. And Jessica Drew comes in with a, I have never needed rescuing, ever. See my wiki entry. <laughs> I like that in in the Marvel Universe, there's probably people who fill in the wikis for these heroes and like obsess <laughs> over their lives. Uh, Jessica Drew, never needed rescuing. <laughs> I mean, but it's true. She is so... Self, so, like, you are never in doubt that she's going to kick butt. I'm trying to remember if she got rescued in Secret Invasion after being replaced by a Skrull. But I think she just kind of stumbled out of the ship all by herself. <laughs> all right, what about your best line? So my best line is from Takuya, the Japanese Spider-Man. When he comes down in his giant robot Leopardon, he says, I am the emissary of hell, and I shall fight this great evil for the fate of all spiders. <laughs> he is intense. The I am the emissary of hell thing is from the show. Oh, cool. (laughs) And he's got his arms crossed and like a Power Ranger (laughs) pose. It's so good. All right. What about your greatest hero? My greatest hero is also Takuya, the Japanese Spider-Man. Oh. He brings his robot after having not known any of these spiders. And he, he gets his robot all wrecked up to help them all escape. And he's just met them. I think he's so good. And he makes friends with those other two Spider-Men. And they are so... Those Spider-Men are so cute together. One of them... I don't think he says it to Takuya. But one of them says something like, What's that light? It's my new favorite thing besides you talking to the other (laughs) Spider-Men. They also... That's also the same panel where Penny Parker looks at Verna? Verna. Verna and says, you're not very nice. <laughs> or something like, either you're not very nice or I don't like you very much. Very oh, okay. What's well, your greatest hero? Mine is Kane. Oh, for taking out Solus? Yeah. I mean, I didn't think there was another choice, so I was shocked that you did, didn't also say Kane here. Uh, he took out Papa Womper. He did take out the Papa Womper. <laughs> Uh, yeah, you're right. I just, I, I'm a big fan of the, I always am a sucker for the selfless sacrifice where Kane definitely charged into that in a, in an angry way. Not to say he didn't do good stuff, but that's why I didn't pick him right off the bat. Uh, I guess I can see that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I mean, he's avenging Ben. 
He He's is. like, Ben was a good boy. He was a very good boy. And he <laughs> he unleashes his gigantic inner spider. Yep. And I guess I guess he went in there kind of half cocked. Yep. And In everybody had to follow him. So maybe it was... But he, he took out Big Bad Solus. He did. Which, uh... It was so cool. It was very cool. Man, my heroes are flawed. <laughs> okay? Well, are your coolest moments flawed? Uh, apparently, because you don't like the hunch. My coolest moment was that last panel. And it was in part because of the line here, but... The line's good. Uh, you know, they we have them backlit by the fun like anytime they're going between dimensions they get this fun sparkliness around them so they're kind of backlit and you get these awesome silhouettes and you, you we we see superior say the die is cast as they're getting ready to go into like loom world and and, and uh 616 peter parker says no 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 i'm running the show i get the big line and he says spider friends Go for it. <laughs> and Spider-Ham chips in with the nailed it. Like, oh, I just boy. feel like this is the kind of stuff we can expect to see in the Spider-Verse movie. I hope so. <laughs> I really hope so, I'm almost, too. I'm thinking the hunch is maybe a throwback. I think old school Spider-Man did a bunch of hunches, too. So maybe I should cut, maybe I should cut it a little bit. I mean, it's, it's only Superior and 616 who are hunchy. Yep. Uh, and oh, the the little little dude, little Jap- is he one of the Japanese guys? I, yep, I think that's. I'm trying to remember if that's Spider Man J or Mangaverse Spider Man. The little the it's the little black and white one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but um, they they look real cool. They do look cool. My coolest moment was is when Uncle Ben finally realizes that he's gonna go, and he does like the he's got this like yeah <laughs> sort of fist and he wears he gets on his like weird leather suit or rubber his suit looks kind of strange to me yeah <laughs> i love that he brought it with him though mm-hmm. which means he had to fish it out of a trash can because he definitely <laughs> threw it in a trash can what's with spider-man throwing away and then fishing their suits out of trash cans i need a spider-man comic where spider-man doesn't want to be spider-man anymore and he throws away his suit and then goes to fish it out of the trash but the trash has already come so he has to like go on like a like an odyssey to get his suit. He has back. to follow the truck to the dump and yep. Couldn't he just a... make another one? No, no, no. Then there's a dump villain. Oh, <laughs> and he has to fight the dump villain. But he has to maintain his secret identity, so he has to wear a trash can on his head, <laughs> and he becomes the trash man. <laughs> I can't even say it. <laughs> you are so goofy. I love that episode so much. <laughs> Readers, we're referencing an episode of It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia, which I know that you guys think that uh, Christy is this very sweet, sweet lady. But I she love things that, that I am show. not. <laughs> <laughs> and Frank is the trash man. <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> well, there has been a... a- there has been a Peter Parker suit where he wore an extra Fantastic Four outfit and a bag on his head. Okay. So that would probably be pretty good. Mm-hmm. The, maybe what I'm talking about has already happened. And I'm just, <laughs> I'm just rehashing. All uh, right. What about your Crusher Creel Award for Silly Villainy? My Crusher Creel Award for Silly Villainy went to Solus for going out like a complete and total punk. Oh, yeah. Plus, uh, the, he even got like a goofy line. He says... The spider totem revealed. Revel in this, my boys, for we face the ultimate prey. And then later he says, I have waited centuries for this. I've never felt more alive. (laughs) (laughs) And then Kane just kills him with the spider, this little spider spines in the middle of him saying alive. (laughs) It's pretty great. How could you not choose Kane to be your greatest hero after that? (laughs) (laughs) My silly villainy also goes to Solus, but for different reasons. Okay. So Solus, of course, he's the big bad, and everybody has to listen to him. And he's 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 trying to to talk to everyone after they're coming and kneeling and like, I'm so sorry, I'm so sorry. And he's got Benji in his arms, and Benji's crying, and he just turns to Benji and goes, "Shush!" And like literally, Benji's wad just gets cut off. He just commands the baby to stop crying, and he does. That is very goofy. <laughs> Do you think the inheritors fed baby Benji while he was there? Like, did they get someone to give him formula? No. That's not very nice. 
I mean, I guess maybe if they thought he was going to die. But he wasn't there for that long. Like, it wasn't longer yeah, than a day. Yeah, you kind of wonder how long But babies there. have to eat, like, every yeah. three, four. I mean, depends on how old he's supposed to be. I mean, according to this picture, he's five, so. He's a small grown man. <laughs> I just kept wondering about that because I'm 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 just so yeah we talked about it so much last episode oh did we about when they feed baby Benji feeding baby Benji well that was we know that we know Captain Universe fed baby Benji right that's a hundred percent and as some very intelligent readers informed us uh, Captain Universe Spider Man wouldn't have needed to get formula he could have totally lactated. (laughs) revenge because he's, he's he could do it ultimate life force power. <laughs> breast is best no no shame to people who who are unable to fed is best i'm just being silly um <laughs> i'm just trying to imagine one of the inheritors very angrily giving benji a bottle <laughs> They would have. They would have had the help do it. They had so much help. They hold him plenty. <laughs> That's true. They just. It is them holding this baby, just like passing him around. Like you take him now. Yeah, it's real weird. Well, I guess that's our show. Yeah. Uh, we are gonna have one more before the end of the year. Fingers crossed. No, it will not be before the end of the year. It will be very early in the new year. Mm-hmm. Fingers crossed, still that we're gonna get it out in time. Yeah. We're yeah. going on a pretty long holiday. Yeah, so best wishes to everybody on any any holidays that you're celebrating and for the new year. Yes. We have, this is like I think our first full year podcasting. Yeah. Yeah, cuz we started in now, the summer of 2017. Now granted we took a big break for for uh maternity and paternity leave. Yes. But this was uh this is a pretty big year for our podcast. Our first year having guests. Yes, a lot of, oh my gosh, having guests was so terrifying at first, and then it was just like, oh, oh, well, that's, that's nice. Yeah, so thank you to all our guests who are on this year. We really appreciate you. Thanks to everybody who is in Acts of Friendship. Mm-hmm, that was, that was great. I am terrible at talking to people and making friends and generally being sociable, so that was a great way to get me out of my shell a little bit. Yeah, we forced you to do that. Yeah. The way it's meant to be. Yeah. I mean, if I did never had to like go to school and like talk with other people, I probably just wouldn't. Oh. oh goodness. Is there anyone else we would want to thank? You, the readers. Yes. Thank, thank you, you guys for sticking with us or joining us uh on this on this journey. Thanks for our very loyal subscribers too, where after we publish an episode, whether we remember if it came out in the morning or evening or not, that download it and listen to it, even without us remembering to mention it on our Twitter or our Facebook. Yeah, yeah. That, I mean that's kind of a nice surprise and I'm like, oh wait, sweetheart. The episode that published this morning. You tweeted about it, right? I was like, what episode published this morning? <laughs> no, not quite that bad, but I thought it was going to happen in the evening. If you would like to in any way show your thanks or appreciation to us this holiday season, uh, Chris has set us up a Kofi. Yes. Kofi is a way to support your favorite creators. It's the, the theme is buying a coffee, so you donate in $3 increments. Uh, which we drink, drink Dunkin' Donuts coffee, so that's definitely less than $3 mm-hmm, for most of their stuff. Covers that coffee. Covers mm-hmm. it. So you can donate anywhere between $3 and, I don't know, $3 million or mm-hmm. something. But if if you're not flush with cash, uh, like most of us, mm-hmm. you can also uh, thank us by just giving us a review on iTunes or Stitcher or Facebook or whatever platform you use to listen to us that allows you to leave a review those mean a whole lot to us and help other people to find us, which is kind of the whole reason we're doing this. <laughs> For attention. <laughs> well, hey, you got to create the content that you would like to consume. That's true. And 95% of my car time is with kids in the car. So I want those all ages podcasts to be able to listen to during my drive time. That's totally fair. Also with the Kofi this month, we are going to be giving 50% of our Kofi to Harvesters, which is a local Kansas City-based food bank. Harvesters does great work, and they're an excellent cause. They are. Um, if you'd like to donate to our Kofi, we're www.ko-fi.com slash Chris's on Infinite Earths. 
All right. And as always, you can find us on Twitter or Facebook at Chris's Pod. You can email us on Chris's on Infinite Earths at gmail.com. And we really like to hear from you. I love being added on Twitter, as has been said in my time on WMQ&A. But I love when people add the podcast or quote tweet our stuff. We mm-hmm. really love interacting with all of you. And as much as I say that I'm terrible at making friends and talking to people, it's not because I don't enjoy friends and talking to people. It's just because it gives me massive amounts of anxiety. But if you talk to me first, it makes me feel very special and wanted. <laughs> okay. Get into some real deep stuff this holiday season. <laughs> Plus, it's my birthday. It is Christie's um, birthday is coming up on. Thank December you for obscuring 27th. that number. Nobody needs to know that number. Yeah, December twenty so, seventh. So, if you want to say happy birthday to Christie, that's her birthday. Mm-hmm. We really liked spending our year with all of you. And until next time, slay your enemies, and all you desire shall be yours. <laughs>